Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the August 25th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today, we'll be reading the following main articles, Flag, Gun, Extreme Views, Parade on Salida Downtown Streets, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. Chafee BOCC approves $2.3 million property contract for new Chafee Sheriff's Office, written by Jan Wondra. HRRMC Board Hears Building Projects Financial Updates, written by Daniel Smith. And Chafee Housing Authority Moves Forward with Jane's Place Funding, written by Elliot Jackson. And Open Letter to the Community from Chafee County Clerk and Recorder, written by Community Contributor, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Flag, Gun, Extreme Views, Parade on Salida, Downtown Streets. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. Danny Eugene Taylor, age 43, is a self-identified white supremacist who lives in Salida, Colorado. By his own messaging on Parler and Telegram, he'd like to be a member of the Proud Boys. He may belong to other similarly far-right groups. He's not the only far-right resident of the Arkansas River Valley, just the most visible one at the moment. That's because for more than a year, he positioned himself on U.S. 50, not far from U.S. 291, wearing some version of military-type attire, an AR-15, and carrying an upside-down U.S. flag, he waved the gun, the flag, and often shouted obscenities at passing drivers, many of whom shouted comments to him. He was then officially on the Colorado Department of Transportation CDOT right-of-way, so his antics weren't something the city of Salida could do much about unless he had begun shooting at people, which he did not. This summer, the man, his gun, and his flag appear to have transferred his dubious presence to downtown Salida's F Street pedestrian plaza, where the summer vehicle closure for tourists has given him a street platform. At least one day a week he stands there, and occasionally a tourist or resident will confront him. Typically, the result is a shouting match, sometimes including obscenities. Arc Valley Voice has been watching his actions, and senior reporter Dan Smith spoke with him a few weeks ago, so we have a sense of his views. But as journalists who cover extremism, it is not our role to provide a platform for those extreme beliefs, so we will not directly quote him. It should be noted that the First Amendment protects freedom of speech and that Colorado is an open-carry state, so Taylor is within his rights to carry a gun and believe whatever it is that he believes. He says that making people aware of their rights is part of the reason he's on F Street, which may or may not be the real reason. The Salida Police Department has said that when they checked his assault rifle, it wasn't loaded. 
But last week, an article by our competitor about Taylor said the opposite, referencing him as armed with a loaded AR-15 and an upside-down American flag. The reporter also claims that Taylor and his friends meet in Buena Vista with the Chafee County Patriots. That may be true. While AVV has covered the Chafee Patriots since its inception, we have not confirmed his membership. A few weeks ago, Arc Valley Voice invited downtown business owners over to talk over coffee, listening to their concerns about an obviously armed man downtown at the height of tourist season. They shared genuine concerns regarding safety for themselves and their young employees and customers. As long-time downtown businesses, they say they are worried about what his presence says about Salida's welcoming reputation. One shop owner said he could support any form of protest, but he strongly objected to someone walking around displaying a semi-automatic firearm. Another said she was seriously thinking of changing her Sunday hours if the armed man remained there. I'm afraid, she said. Another said he had tried to talk with his city council member, but felt that his concerns weren't taken seriously. During our meeting with these business owners, the idea was raised to attend the Salida City Council meeting to publicly express their concerns. But no one appeared at that meeting or subsequent sessions, and one expressed not being comfortable being on the YouTube recording. Three times one is three. Over the past few weeks, Taylor has been joined off and on on F Street by two other armed men. One of them has brandished a long gun. One man identified himself as Mike Burnt, and the other man wanted to be known only as Jeff. Both are apparently local. They stood with Taylor at the intersection of First Street and F Street alongside the barricades blocking the street-turned-pedestrian mall. Now, with the appearance of more armed supporters downtown, one business owner wondered just how many more armed people might gather. Salida Mayor Dan Shore did comment at the August 1st council meeting's end that he had received comments from people concerned about the armed individual downtown, saying, I hear you. I share frustration. But he pointed out First and Second Amendment rights, assuring the public that Salida police are on top of the situation, adding they had checked his weapon many times, and it has never been loaded. There is nothing in his background to suggest that he can't have a weapon, and so our hands are tied, said Shore. He pointed out that the only time there was a legal conflict, one decided in district court some time ago, was when people confronted Taylor. From the streets to social media and membership. Taylor goes by a social media handle S-M-T-H-G-W-I-C-K-E-D. While the phrase originally referred to Shakespeare's Macbeth, the words are also the title of Ray Bradbury's 1962 horror novel, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Most recently, the group known as Trash Talk released the song, Something Wicked, in 2020. Per the Call Me Fred site, the song's lyrics talk about someone with a new attitude who is facing something bad, referred to as something wicked. They don't know how to deal with it, and the protagonist commits a total warfare and dropping old propaganda. 
The lyrics also mention a possible romantic partner flirting with disaster and predicting World War III, taking a stand while facing a difficult situation. Ark Valley Voice has confirmed through a journalistic source the communications shown here, revealing that the gun flag guy has attempted to join the fascist street gang, the Proud Boys. His social media presence reveals a white supremacy identity. As described by the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Proud Boys is a domestic terrorism group established in the midst of the 2016 presidential election by Vice Media co-founder Gavin McInnes. The Proud Boys are self-described Western chauvinists who adamantly deny any connection to the racist alt-right. They insist they are simply a fraternal group spreading an anti-political correctness and anti-white guilt agenda. The truth is decidedly darker. There are at least 31 hate groups spread across the state, and the Proud Boys are only one group. As SPLC points out, hate groups have this in common. All hate groups have beliefs or practices that attack or malign an entire class of people, typically for their immutable characteristics. Salida's armed man apparently still wants to join the Proud Boys, which is his right. But the public also has the right to question his intentions. Editor's note, two Ark Valley Voice journalists contributed to this article, Stephen Hall and Jan Wondra. That story, flag, gun, extreme views, parade on Salida downtown streets. And next up, Chafee BOCC approves $2.3 million property contract for new Chafee Sheriff's Office. This posted by Jan Wondra. A special meeting of the Chafee Board of County Commissioners, BOCC, called for 2 p.m. Wednesday, August 23rd, featured a surprise announcement. The BOCC ratified the purchase contract of $2.3 million for property located at 7420 U.S. 50 in Salida. The location will be the new home of the Chafee County Sheriff's Office. The property is the longtime home of Salida Auto Sales, and local secondhand car buyers will be sad to learn that the longtime business is closing. The contract was negotiated with DHJ Limited Liability Partnership, led by Sam Johnson, with broker Jeff Post handling the sale. The purchase helps the county solve a perplexing need. The sheriff's office urgently needs more space, but the county has frustrating space limitations on the current county administration campus at 104 Crestone Avenue. We learned that Salida Auto Sales was closing and selling their property. Knowing our space constraints, we knew it might not be possible to build on this campus, explained County Administrator Don Reimer. We thought that purchasing the property would solve space constraints going forward, he added. It's a great location for the Sheriff's Department, with enough space going forward for the next 50 years. We put in an offer, and we got a contract on that. The board gave direction to pursue this, explained County Attorney Daniel Tom. This was done outside the public eye, and we needed to move quickly. We had to purchase it within certain price parameters, and the county had about 48 hours to act. 
He explained that the property already has a secure parking lot for vehicles and significant secure space, both for evidence and records, all in one location. My concern was to stay on the campus, said Sheriff John Spezza. So when they came to me and said it's a great location, great public view, it has room to give us what we need, not just now but in the future, I thought this can be the sheriff's office for a long, long time. It puts us in a facility that meets our needs. We appreciate it. From what we were looking to build here on the Creststone campus, it saves us money. We can put all our records and evidence in one place here, added Spezza. We need evidence and record storage. Look at what we're getting. It's a good opportunity. Thanks to past commissioners, to staff, and Dan Short, this has put the county in a position that we can jump on an opportunity like this, said Commissioner P.T. Wood. We don't have to hesitate. That's thanks to good long-term planning by staff for the community. It's good to take advantage of the opportunity, and we can, said Commissioner Keith Baker. As long as it meets a Level 1 environmental assessment, I'm supportive and enthusiastic. I think it's a good move, said Commissioner Greg Felt. Wood made the motion to ratify the purchase contract, Felt seconded it, and it passed unanimously. Based on the timelines of the purchase contract, the county will close and take possession of 7420 U.S. 50 on September 28, 2023. The BOCC moved on into an executive session from which they indicated no public actions would result. That story, Chafee BOCC approves $2.3 million property contract for new Chafee Sheriff's Office. And continuing, HRRMC Board hears building projects, financial updates. This posted by Daniel Smith. The Heart of the Rockies Regional Medical Center, HRMC Board of Directors, heard updates on the district's financial status, as well as several pending construction projects during their Tuesday meeting. Salida Health Center Capital Projects become Antero Pavilion. Among major projects was the approval of a remodeling project for the Salida Health Center, 550 U.S. 50, at a total of $567,439. The work will be managed by Colorelli Construction and bid out directly to HRRMC. The roofing project at the Salida Health Center facility was also approved at a cost of $210,000. Both items were handled separately from the expenditures approved under the consent agenda. CEO Bob Morasco briefed the board on the move to employee providers at First Street Family Health at HRRMC. The facility will be renamed the Antero Pavilion, as no family practice physicians will be located there after the remodel is completed at the Salida Health Center. There are plans to relocate other providers from the hospital pavilion to the First Street building, but CEO Bob Morasco reported some potential providers may not move until mid-2024. Employee housing, family hospitality house plans move forward. Also in his report, Morasco said two cost estimates have been received for an employee housing project and a patient family hospitality house. 
A plan by Colorelli Construction met with the approval of the Facilities Committee and the Hospital Foundation Board. He said he is working with attorneys on plans to proceed with the projects. Facilities Manager David Colorelli has submitted plans to the state for review for a wound center and hyperbaric chamber. Estimates on providing oxygen for the chamber will be provided prior to a proposal being submitted to the district board for consideration. A grant proposal from the hospital foundation to offset costs was not approved but is being sent back for reconsideration. Financial Reports Marasco also recognized the work of Fiscal Services Vice President Karen Miller, her Revenue Cycle Team, and Human Resources for progress in restructuring the department and recruiting staff. Miller's financial report showed overall good revenue trends generally, with some exceptions. Total patient service revenues were up slightly at $25.5 million for the month of July, and year-to-date revenues of $172.5 million exceeded budget estimates by 9.5%. Net patient revenue for the month of July was $11.1 million against budget expectations of $11.9 million and slightly unfavorable for the year-to-date at $74 million against a budget estimate of $74.1 million. Inpatient revenues were $2.5 million for the month, a 13.4% increase, and $17.2 million for the year against a budget of $14 million. Inpatient surgery volumes, however, were 32% under budget projections, reported Miller. Outpatient revenues were $22.9 million for the month against a budget estimate of $23.1 million and $155.3 million for the year against a budget projection of $143.5 million. Net operating income for the month of $1.2 million compares unfavorably with the budget estimate of $1.7 million, Miller stated. Net operating income for the year-to-date was pegged at $6.3 million, a 0.6% increase over budget estimates. Miller reported we are continuing to hold an additional contractual allowance of about $700,000 to provide for an identified issue within the charge master relating to observation stays. AVV asked Miller to expand on the issue, the upkeep of which is a common problem in hospitals. The charge master issue was identified last month, she said, and relates to the hourly rate established, which appears to be in error, and when paid for by the insurance company, causes a higher contractual allowance than what our historical rate would indicate. Thus, as these claims are paid, higher amounts are disallowed. Due to payment timing delays, we want to be certain to have an appropriate allowance for this issue, she added. Miller's report also noted net operating income included Colorado Healthcare Affordability and Sustainability Enterprise Chase supplemental payments for the state Medicaid program, amounting to $695,000 for the month and $4.7 million for the year as an offset to contractual deductions, meaning an overall contribution of $239,000 for the month and $1.6 million for the year, exceeding budget estimates by 0.6%. 
The district's net position increased $1.7 million for the month against budget estimates of $1.8 million. Year-to-date, the net position increased $8.8 million compared to a budget figure of $6.6 million. Total profit margin for HRRMC was listed at 10.3% against the budgeted margin of 8.3%, Miller stated. Total days cash on hand was pegged at 228. Aside from the major remodeling project funding approved separately, the board gave a green light to other equipment acquisitions. Equipment acquisitions. Approved was the unbudgeted purchase of IT equipment for the former First Street Family Health Building for staff, including personal computers, laptops, phones, wireless access points, switches, a firewall, and associated licensing from microwave flare data for more than $38,600. A new nurse call light system for MRI dressing rooms, as well as removal of a nurse call unit from an old inpatient area from Beacon Communication at an unbudgeted cost of $42,116 was also approved. Other capital purchase items approved included a second Omni retractor set requested by surgeons at a cost of $24,817 and an ortho-titanium small fragment set for surgery as requested by surgeons at a cost of $66,677. The board also heard a delayed focus topic review from ear, nose, and throat physician Dr. Brandon Bentz, who has an extensive background in that discipline, as well as surgical cancer treatment spanning a number of medical facilities. Dr. Bentz said he also intends to become involved in the future with the effort to bring assisted living facilities to Chafee County. That story, HRRMC Board, hears building projects, financial updates. And next up, Chafee Housing Authority moves forward with Jane's Place funding. This posted by Elliot Jackson. At their regular meeting on Thursday, August 17th, the board of the Chafee Housing Authority, CHA, heard an update on Jane's Place. Under the heading of Old Business, they considered and approved the following actions. Acknowledging receipt of a $1.3 million grant for Jane's Place funding from the State Office of Economic Development and International Trade, OEDIT, and updating the strategic plan, as well as adopting a revised Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, JEDI, policy. In addition, the board authorized Executive Director E.D. Ashley Capel to establish deed restriction terms with the City of Salida in accordance with their inclusionary housing IH policies. Executive Director Updates Capel gave the Jane's Place Committee report in addition to the E.D. report. She announced that they were moving forward with High Country Bank for a loan to cover construction costs. CHA will be getting an updated bid to make sure that construction can start in early October. She added that she would have an update at the next board meeting. Capel also reported that arrangements with Fading West LLC for the Carbonate Street project and Paul Andrews on the crossing were also going forward. New projects may arise from Proposition 123. 
Capel introduced consideration of letters of intent (LOIs) for two housing projects in Buena Vista, seeking to take advantage of state land bank funding for affordable housing made available by Proposition 123. It's a competitive grant process, Capel explained. We can submit multiple letters of intent, but we would probably only get one grant. The LOI doesn't commit us to anything. If we get the grant, then we can buy some land to bank for affordable housing projects. We have two projects that could work, she added: Alpine West, where we would also work with Chafee Housing Trust to build 24 apartments, and the Homestead, which is a big development with single-family homes and multi-family units. A motion to go forward with the LOIs was carried unanimously, and that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling three zero three seven eight six seven 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 seven.